Welcome to the milk bar. 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 Welcome along to episode 478 of the Milk Bar. Jason Forrest here with you as ever. And coming up on the show, we'll be hearing from Blake all about their 10th anniversary concert taking place at the Litchfield Garrick. We'll also hear some samples of their tunes throughout the show. Kelly Jeffs at the Lighthouse is going to let us know what's going on down there. We'll be talking a bit about a film premiere that took place this week. And we're finding out how you can help save the Lighthouse uh, in its current financial situation. We'll be talking about a survey on grief carried out by Co-op Funeral Care as Carol McGiffin joins us for a chat. But first of all... From the 26th through to the 29th of September, Codswell Dramatic Society bring Noel Cow's Blythe Spirit to the stage at the Codswell Village Hall. To tell us more about it, I have the directors, Anne and Ray. Hello. Hi. So, uh, first of all, uh, it's it's a comedy. It's going to be a good choice. You guys are really good at doing some really good quality humour. We've seen this in the past, so we're looking forward to this one. Not that you can't do drama as well. We've seen that too. But uh, it should be good fun uh, with a bit of Noel Coward. Well, yes, it's very, very fast moving. It's a, it's a comedy, yeah, um, and lots of drama in it. It's a, it's a lovely play. There's some twists and turns. Yeah, we've got a wonderful set. We've got uh, bright costumes, wonderful costumes, and uh, fine actors in it. Absolutely, that sounds good to me. So, where's Blythe Spirit set? Uh, It's set in England in 1941 in the house of. a middle, upper, upper middle class, would you yeah, say? It's the house of a, a, a novelist yes. who's doing research for a new book and invites a medium around to help him in, uh, in researching that. And then uh, they have a seance, which he's uh, half-heartedly trying to rubbish in his own mind, but they uh, summon up unwittingly the ghost of his ex-wife. So. Oh, yes, and she's... She's quite a mischievous temptress. <laughs> she's um, she's deliciously played by the actress that we have playing that role. Yeah. Um, she's uh, yeah, she she torments um, her. She ex-husband. doesn't get a very big welcome from his current wife. <laughs> no, no, she doesn't, and she does cause some mischief. Yes. Well, I mean, over the years, Codswell Dramatic have done some brilliant shows, and it's a, it's, it's a lovely venue. Uh, you you vary around how you do them, whether it be in the round or whether you, you actually put them on stage. And it, I think it's, it's that sort of approach that you know you never know what you're going to get, and you turn up and you do get to see some really different and interesting stuff. I and mean, particularly some of the subjects that have been approached over the years, mm-hmm. it has been a, a bit of everything. And how do you guys you know, sort of settle down to work out what you are going to do next? Well. Uh, uh Often a member of the society will have a particular favourite play they've seen recently or from the past that they want to do. But it is also dictated by availability of cast. Yeah. So it's it forced upon us sometimes <laughs> what mm-hmm. sort of play we can do because of restrictions on cast, which yeah. is why we'd like a lot of new members. If <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. So if people do want to get in touch, we'll talk about how we can yeah. do all of that in a short while's yeah. time. Uh, but uh, so there's, there's several I- events throughout the year. Uh, there's normally a bit of a serious one. There's off- always a fun one. And then there's all the Christmas stuff as well. And that, mm-hmm. that's going to be uh, another good one because we head towards the end of 2018. Yes, uh, looking forward to that. Yes, Children's play. yes Cinderella this year. Mm-hmm. Um and they're usually full houses, as indeed we hope Bly Spirit will be, and we can't see any reason why they should be, because it's a wonderful place to watch. It's a wonderful play to put on. It's a um, fine comedy as well. As, mm. uh, as well. You, you can't go wrong with a bit of Noel Coward, though, can you, really? No, no, it's, it's, it's well written, 
it's entertaining, it's bright, and, and it's, it's an escape. It's people. got some rich characters in it. It's got the eccentricity of Madame Arcati, um, and it's got, I've already mentioned Elvira, oh, I would describe as delicious. She's, she's quite a tease. Mm-hmm. Um, and this puts... The, the main character, Charles Condamine, in, a, in quite a bit of a, yeah. a, a quandary. Well, we've got a stage full of beautiful women in beautiful costumes mm-hmm. and fine actors trying to keep up with them. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, you guys are, are used to doing cha- uh, challenge as well. I mean, when we saw uh, Ladies Down Under, that was absolutely fantastic. And yeah, yeah. I, I think a, a particularly good production performance and, and the way that was directed as well that, that really makes a difference and okay you two guys have got to step to the plate and make sure this works really well and uh, I think you're more likely going to be up to it I think is it going to be good yeah, no pressure but yeah, yeah. I, think yeah. It, I think it'll be better don't you <laughs> I think we'll rise to the challenges with yes. ease yes I mean we have got a fabulous um, backstage crew we've got um, it's not just all acting of course we've got a production meeting next week so there's a great deal of thoughts and consideration put into the set um, as you've described and uh, there is in CDS a lot of creativity there's a lot of skilled um, craftsmen. We have a lot of fun doing it it's mm-hmm. serious, it's you know painstaking work but it's, it's an achievement whether you work backstage, whether you're acting, directing it's it's worthwhile engaging. Yeah. But I mean a village the size of Codsell as well though, to have this sort of rich talent and the uh, the facilities that you've got down there, it, it's great for people to be able to get involved in, in things like the, you know, the arts festival that takes place each year. It is a centre for creativity and that's just sort of drawn out of everything that, uh, that, that seems to come from you know, all the different groups in the area. Yes, yes. Uh, come, be involved, come and watch as a spectator but also come and take part if you want, backstage, on stage. Enjoy. Mm-hmm. So, how do people get in touch and find out more? Uh, we have a, a website. Um, uh, we have a Facebook link. Facebook link, yeah. Facebook uh, page. I should if say. you come and watch us, we'll force a leaflet in your hand. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so, search for Cotswold Dramatic Society on Facebook, and you can get all that that way. And the web address? It's Cotswold Dramatic Society. Co. UK. So just pop on there, get all the details, and uh, as we were saying, this you know, get involved, check out what's going on, and uh, get yourself along to uh, what should be a fantastic show. Break a leg, I think I have to say, even though you two Thank guys you. are on the stage, are you? But uh, yeah, break, break a leg, and uh, uh, look out for uh, all that is to come in the future. Can people get tickets in real life? Is there somewhere they can nip along to in town? The, the Jewellers, um, which is Ian uh, Rigby. Rigby. Ian Rigby's in Codsell. Yeah, and, and you if can... If you go onto the website, you'll find access details and... Details. And you can buy a ticket on the door. Yeah, simple as that. Simple as that. Come along to the show, absolutely fantastic. 26th through to the 29th of September. Uh, evenings at 7.30 and then a matinee on the Saturday afternoon. What would I do without your smart mouth Drawing me in and you kicking me out Got my head spinning, no kidding I can't pin you down What's going on in that beautiful mind? I'm on your magical mystery ride
On Saturday the 1st of September at half past seven, there's an absolute treat on stage at the Litchfield Garrick. It is Blake celebrating ten years of being out there doing their thing. I'm joined now by Stephen to tell us more about the show. Hello, sir. Hello there. Very good to be chatting to you. Good to talk to you. And it's ten years now uh, with uh, Blake doing what you do so, so well. And uh, this means, I think, hone to utter perfection is what we're going to see on stage. Well, I, you know, they always have this thing, don't they, where they say it takes 10,000 hours to truly become <laughs> an expert at anything you do. I think we're uh, probably about 4,000 hours so far. So uh-huh. uh, if you see us in about uh, 20 years' time, we might have just about reached our full potential. But we feel we're not doing too badly at the moment. The, the shows uh, are going really well. People are really enjoying kind of this collection of 10 years' worth of music that we've put on albums over, over that time. And uh, it's yeah, it's been fantastic fun. So we're looking forward to being at Litchfield. It should be an absolute treat, as I say. And with what six hundred concerts under your belt already, I mean this ten thousand hours thing, I I don't think it really holds true. But you'll still be probably just as annoyingly young and good looking at when it, you know, in, when it comes down to your ten thousand hours as well, because you guys haven't aged at all, have you? In ten years. Uh, well, I'm I'm afraid, like everybody else, it's smoke and mirrors in the music industry. We 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 try our best not to look like we're aging, but uh, I'm sure that people will spot a few grey hairs, <laughs> possibly that we're we're looking slightly more portly than we were when we were in a, in our mid twenties. But but thankfully, the uh, the singing voices I hope might have even got slightly better in that time. So it's uh, yeah, it's you know it's been fantastic to spend a decade together as singers touring around the world getting to perform all over the UK, but then also all over Asia and Russia and America. Um, but for us, the real joy is coming back to the UK and uh, and performing to audiences who, who we know and love so well. And yeah, they absolutely adore you and what you do and taking so many great songs and giving them the Blake treatment. I mean, how, how does that magic work? Um, well, it's I would say it just simply comes down to picking songs that we love first and foremost. So we spend a lot of time when we put the albums together, uh, normally sitting down in the pub, a couple of beers, <laughs> and we each bring a long, a long sheet of uh, song names to the table, and we start going through them. And after that, we spend a little bit of time in a music studio just trying out as many different iterations of each song as possible until we start finding interesting little harmonies that were hidden away in the original songs. And it's from there that we start to, to build our vocal harmonies. So it's, it's a long process, and sometimes songs never even make the grade, and sometimes it's, it happens within minutes. We just find a song that's just perfect. But I think the, the, the trick with the Blake sound, really, is that all three of us have come from having sung in choirs when we were children. We went on to study uh, classical singing professionally. Um, but we've also got massive loves of pop music, rock music, and musicals, and that's really what makes the show different, is that it's not really one genre, it's actually a show that takes you through many different genres, so it's, it's kind of kind of unusual and mixed up, we like it that way. Yeah, from Elgar through the Beatles, uh, Billy Caruso, West, you know, it's West Side Story, there's so much, but did you ever expect to be number one in the, uh, the classical music charts as soon as you were out there? Because I mean, the first album did that, you then got a Brit Award uh, for the, from the classical Brits 12 months later, and it is just been success after success after success and nothing can really prepare you for for that i mean you guys are good but even you couldn't really have expected to go as well as it did i think you take every day as it comes and you keep working hard i mean the music industry is a is a shark infested uh, ocean <laughs> i can tell you it's it, it's tricky it's hard and 
anybody going into it now, you know, they're, they're, people often ask us for advice, you know, what's the right way to approach it? And we simply say to people, look, just go into it loving the music. Go into it enjoying what you do and don't hope for success. Don't hope for money or anything like that because the music industry, frankly, is it's not about that. It's about simply enjoying the job that you do. And I think that's what we have to remind ourselves of is that you – you get up in the morning and, you know, how many of us out there will sing in the shower a little bit and then we're the lucky ones that get paid for doing that. So it's 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 a really it's a really privileged job to have, but you've got to accept that there's gonna be low times as much as there are high times. You know, we've had times when we didn't think the group were gonna to stay together. We had times when members left because they wanted to be actors, we had to find somebody new to replace them. We had other times when it looked like the money was gonna run out and we were gonna uh, have to go and work in a fish and chip shop down the road and things like that. It was just you never know what's coming on the horizon. So you just gotta have a bit of humility and accept that you some of this is out of your hands. You just have to hope that audiences will continue to enjoy what you do and they'll continue to come to your concerts and, and hopefully buy your CDs as well. That's that's really how the music industry works. You just gotta have a lot of hope and a lot of hard work. If people want to uh, yeah come along and see the gig, it's gonna be absolutely amazing stuff on stage. Literalgarrick.com or the box office on O one five four three four one two one two one are the details to get your hands on tickets. And your highlight of the night on this tenth anniversary tour, which is your favourite bit of the show for you? Well I we all have songs that we we love within the show um i think probably uh i love somewhere from west side story it's a beautiful piece of music and that opens the uh the show it's a really fantastic moment you've got these beautiful big video projections across the back of the stage and stunning lighting it's, it's very uh, a very visceral very beautiful show to watch we we think we hope um and i suppose other little moments which are great as well things like all of me the john legend song uh, has a really special place in the show as well uh and then finishing with the the big songs like impossible dream and ness and dormer it's uh, it's definitely we put together a show that we hope that when people leave afterwards they're going to be feeling on top of the world. They're going to be uplifted. That's what we're aiming for. It should be an absolute buzz. Once again, that's Saturday the 1st of September, a half seven curtain up. Literalgarrick.com for tickets or 01543 412121. For now, Stephen from Blake, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. See you soon.
Lighthouse with Kelly Jeffs. Now, we're just ahead of the premiere of Alpha, aren't we? We are, yeah. How, what a magical evening. We've got ahead uh, Alpha, which is the new um, blockbuster film about a young boy who gets lost from his tribe in the Ice Age, gets injured, and then um, meets up with an enemy, which is a wolf, who's also injured but they have to look after each other. And so they become allies. And it's about that beautiful relationship between you know, humans and animals and who, who we can all rely on. Yeah, and the interest for this film in the city of Studio 8 are a Fosun-owned company. Of course, Fosun own Wolves as well now. So uh, uh, really a good promotion. And you're going to be showing that down here at Lighthouse later on this year? We're going to be showing it in September for a week, yeah. So off the back of this premiere tonight, which has been a great opportunity for us to... Uh, work with the wolves and um, you know create more of a profile with them as well and, and making an exciting night for the players and, and their fam- friends and family and the staff. Yep, so that's going to be a good one so I'll probably talk more about that after we've spoken about this but let's not do time travel now let's talk about what else is coming up uh, down here at the lighthouse because you've got some fantastic films on the way. Absolutely we're just heading towards the end of August now um, and the big film that we've got coming up um, later on this month will be Christopher Robin, which is the family film with Ewan McGregor, who plays Christopher Robin, who's actually he's actually grown up now and has got his, his own problems in life, as we all do, mm-hmm. um, but comes across Pooh Bear and the, his old cronies. So it's a family film, but it's it's you know it's around more. Uh, uh, contemporary issues, mm-hmm. but I mean, is Christopher Robin still alive? Or the, the, the lad who because he owns a, he owns a bookshop now, I think, does he? I don't know. I'm not sure. We'll, we'll have to Google that one later. <laughs> I think that's one for Wikipedia. Um, the other big one we've got is the new Emma Thompson film, the the Children Act, which is based on Ian McEwan's novel, and uh, it's had some great reviews so far. And that is uh, a, about her. She's a high court um, high court judge who has to make um, a decision, a life or death decision about a young boy who's ill. Um, but it's also about her own issues internally with her own marriage um, and her relationship with her husband, who's played by Stanley Tucci, one of my favourite actors. So it's going to be a good one for you. Have you, you so you've seen this already as no, a preview? No, so no. This, so when it comes here, you're going to be there opening night? I will be, absolutely. And then the... Oh, gosh, we've had to bring this one back. Right, OK. And is this another of your favourites? I loved it. Yeah. Uh, Mamma Mia, here we go again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's actually... Uh, it just completely blew the audiences away in the summer. It was so busy. Um, and it was really a great exercise for Lighthouse to um, encourage new visitors into the cinema. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you know that we're always looking to, to in- encourage new, new visitors and, and new customers. And Mamma Mia was a real great vehicle for that. Um, we had hundreds and hundreds of people every day. And loads of people came again, you know, because obviously they love it so much because it's such a phenomenon. And then they bring their friends and then their friends say, oh, let's go and we'll go with that group of friends. And then, it, they, you know, there's return visits. So we're bringing it back for two more weeks and we think that there will be people coming yet again. Mm-hmm. Here we go again and again. And again, for Mamma Mia. Forever. Yes, that's that's, that's exactly what it should be. Uh, Keep coming down Lighthouse and see the the film in in comfort. Uh, So what else is there on the way too? Yeah, the other other one in September, which is going to have... is is going to make a a bit of... um, What's the word I'm looking for? I think it will have an impact, and I think it will bring in some new customers as well is Black Klansman Mm -hmm. which is the new Spike Lee film that um, looks um, at the story of uh, 
a guy who, an African-American guy, who actually manages to infiltrate the Ku Klux clients based on a true story. Oh, I cannot wait to see this. It looks brilliant. That sounds intriguing, and with a, a hopefully a, a nice positive message at the end of it hopefully. as well. Let's wait and <laughs> see. Yeah, because I, I do, I do worry when uh, such things are involved. But uh, fingers crossed it works out okay for him. Uh, but uh, that, I mean, that's alongside some of the uh, the great live theatre shows that you've got as well. Yeah, we're going to have um, coming up for live theatre the the new. July has been a bit quiet, but August, September starts to get really busy. So September, we've got the new Royal Shakespeare Company's Merry Wives of Windsor. Um, the 9th of October, we've got the last in the um, series of the Oscar Wilde um, season, The Importance of Being Earnest, which is going to be fantastic. And we've got operas, we've got Aida, we've got Carmen... Oh, there's just there's just too much to talk about. So all, all of these, though, are their actual theatre performances in a theatre with an audience and cameras beaming it around the UK. Absolutely. It's live from the Royal Shakespeare Company or the National Theatre or the Metropolitan Opera in New York. It's streamed live from those high-calibre, absolute creme de la creme of theatres in the world into Wolverhampton in our cinema. And it's a great atmosphere. And you see so many things that you wouldn't see if you were actually at the theatre. You yeah. see close-ups of the actors. You have sometimes there's um there's like a, a a premise beforehand by by a presenter to talk about the play, the meaning of the play, what the writer was thinking at the time, the director's reasons for doing you know directing it the way he has or she has. So it's you get like a really nice sort of preamble. Um, before each performance which you wouldn't get when you're actually at the theatre yeah, when so you've spent a fortune as well yeah, so you can come <laughs> along get a cheaper ticket than flying over to New York to see yeah, these things exactly. and uh, see it at the lighthouse which is, which is great and, uh, and we were sat here whenever we have a chat we tend to sit on the sofa in the big gallery space which means every time we sit down here we have uh, a different uh, set of uh, viewing and yeah. uh, we've got some uh, artwork in front of yeah, us today this is a fantastic exhibition called Out, um, Out of Darkness Into Light and it's um, by Jay Valentino, he's curated it, who's a local fine artist. And it consists of around 40 different artists. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a, it's a really eclectic exhibition, um, stunning pieces of work. And we've had a lot of interest from people. And the sculpture as well, it's not just paintings. Well, illuminated sculpture there's too. Jewelry, like, yeah. There's light, yeah, there's a light exhibit, lit sculpture-based exhibition. Uh, in the corner, it's just fabulous. It's, this is until the thirty-first, well, thirtieth, thirty-first of August. Um, so come down and have a look at it. It's beautiful. It's free entry. It's just stunning. Well, come and check this one out, and we'll talk a bit about the Save the Lighthouse campaign in a minute or two's time. First of all, they give us the details how people get tickets for all the film we've talked about and the, yeah. and the theatre. Too. Any tickets you can get online on the website www.light-house.co.uk, or you can phone box office and speak to one of our staff directly. Pay over the phone. No charge for paying over the phone. No extra charge, sorry. Hmm. Um, seven, Wolverhampton, 01902 716055. So 716055, Wolverhampton number. Book for Lighthouse. Come along, see some great events. Kelly will talk again in a moment or two's time. Great, thank you.
taste of the music of Blake. As mentioned earlier on, back with Kelly Jeffs for the Lighthouse very soon. But last night it was the UK premiere of the film Alpha. A very good tale produced by Studio 8, as we mentioned. Now, this has been put together uh, with Sony distributing it. This is going to be a big movie. And to have the UK premiere in Wolverhampton, uh, absolutely a treat. Uh, A very beautifully shot film and uh, a mixture of uh, real life and CGI where you can't see the joint absolutely fantastic stuff uh, it all starts off with uh, a potential loss to a family and as you head through the movie you have the injured member of the party the son of a tribesman who finds himself throughout the whole film uh, you always get the impression it's going to work out well but uh, it is uh, an interesting tale of learning how to get through some awful situations uh, the film itself is entirely subtitled using the language of the tribe uh, who have gone out initially hunting and uh, you see the story of the pack and the way that comes together and then it brings in uh, an injured wolf and uh, human versus animal, normally the situation, but uh, friendship is made. And the tale is very, very heartwarming, very well produced. And uh, I say very much enjoyed seeing that as part of the UK premiere uh, alongside the Wolves team uh, because the film itself, with Studio 8 being uh, a Fosun owned as is Wolves, uh, they were keen to uh, put this into uh, the city and put a together a, a great evening of entertainment down at the lighthouse for all concerned so a fantastic film when that hits uh, the lighthouse screens make sure you go along and see it brits have still a long way to go when it comes to handling and processing grief in difficult times with about 70 percent of brits saying they've lost someone close in the last five years four in ten of which were sudden or unexpected which can make things even more difficult and traumatic for those who are left behind to talk more about this we have cancer survivor loose woman star and tv personality carol mcgiffin hello to you hi and from co-op funeral care david collingwood good afternoon hi good afternoon so obviously it's a difficult time for anybody i have friends who've recently uh, lost somebody and again in, in unexpected circumstances and whether it's expected or not it's, it's not easy but uh, an immediate shock can you know, sort of add to this the sense of grief that you're feeling i, I know carol you sadly lost your sister to cancer back in uh, 2017 so you know it, it's, it's something which must still be painful now yeah, no, you never really get past it. It's uh, it's just something that you deal with um, and you get used to, you know, a new kind of way of living without that person. And, yes, it was a shock because she was my younger sister. So um, it, it felt, you know, it felt kind of wrong that she died first, if you like. And, you know, having me, having survived cancer, it kind of... You know, you suddenly think, oh, you know, cancer need not kill everybody. But when she was diagnosed, you know, she didn't really have long from diagnosis to death. So it was very, very difficult. And it's still difficult now, and I still miss her. Um, but, you know, dealing with grief in the way that, that that I do, I'm not, I can't speak for my other sister or my brother or the rest of my family, but dealing with it in the way that you do is basically, for me, I deal with it I let it pass I let it happen and I don't deny it I know a lot of people who lose people and they go right you know I've got to get back to normal I've got to get back to work and and you know make everything the same again but it never is the same and there it's you can never go back to normal once you've lost someone really close to you because the new the normal is gone and you have to suddenly accept a new normal so it is hard and I think we we have got a long way to go in this country before we can 
before we're better at dealing with and processing grief. So I think this, you know, some some good should come out of this survey, especially with the the shocking findings that it's that it's come up with. Yeah, I mean, say so we I have lost friends recently. Uh, Mitch uh, Bastable, who recently passed away, was part of the Amdram scene in our area, and also a colleague at uh, one of my jobs, John Hendley, in in the last uh, yeah six months, twelve months, and. It is when it's somebody you you know and spend time with. It is difficult enough, but it, uh, but being there to be able to talk through with you know, friends and colleagues, the the loved ones of those who've passed, that can make a difference. But also remembering those good things as well, and not necessarily dwelling on the loss, but the the great times that you you have had. And with the thirty thousand people who've actually you know, been expressing during this survey, I mean, how how is it? Some of them have said they have you know, used. The, the situation to, to, to try and yeah, bring good and, 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 to, and to look back fondly at uh, those who've lost their lives? I think it's you know it, the biggest ever survey that, that has been done in this uh, situation and there are some real positives out there because people have expressed you know what do you want people to say when the time does come for you and you know and the top two do's that people wanted you know people to say was do ask me if I'm alright do you know ask me if I'm okay and also a practical thing like with employers do give me time off work because I've got to deal with so many different things and so many different issues um, to sort out the don'ts were please don't avoid the subject don't ignore the subject you know because there will be times when I want to engage but the important second don't is please don't equate my grief with yours because grief is quite individual it's quite unique you'll know yourself uh, from from those colleagues that you talked about those friends that actually what you're going through um, is unique to you and your relationship to them and often part of the the regrets that family members will have is they don't necessarily know what their loved one would have wanted as part of their their funeral arrangements and, and what happens next and, and that can add to the, the 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 problems that they're having around their own sense of loss yeah, it's quite stressful actually. If you if you have no idea, um, when I lost my mum in two thousand and three, I had no clue what she what she would have wanted. She'd never expressed any kind of um, uh, sort of preference for a funeral for a funeral or, or any or even you know who she wanted there or anything, because uh, I think she was convinced she she was never going to die. So it was uh, it was a pretty difficult thing. It was it was odd, and it does make it really difficult for the people left behind. And it's about you know, talking about things before they actually happen is important. And it's important also that people, as much as possible, try and get things, you know, in order so that the people left behind are not left with difficult decisions to make and and um, a, a lot of confusion with people's affairs and everything else. And I know you can't always, you never know when it's going to happen. You never know, but it's definitely going to happen you know, as David will tell you, the only sort of certainty, the 100% figure that came out of this survey is that we are all going to die. That's the end of it. So, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't really help anybody not to talk about it. And to try not to talk about it as if it's never going to happen isn't really healthy for anybody. And do you think talking about it before such things happen, so particularly, unfortunately, in this case of your sister, you knew this was yeah, not far away, you could talk, and do you think that helped get through it in, in a different way to what happened with your mum? Oh, completely. Yeah, absolutely. I had I had some really good time with my sister uh, before she died, and, you know, really, we sort of really got to know each other again, and we talked about things that we'd never talked about before, and 
you know, she wasn't accepting of the fact that, that she was uh, about to lose her life, but it was, it, it kind of made it easier that we were talking about it. And we did talk about it quite a lot. And it, it was, when, if you don't accept that something is going to happen, it's very, very difficult and it's very stressful. But as soon as you kind of accept something, you can be, you can kind of be at peace with it and, and deal with it in a much better way. And I've seen that happen. So I know that to be true. Um, and this is, this is basically what the survey, I think, is trying to do. Um, David, I'm sure David will tell you, but it's, it's to try and get people to talk about it, to lose the taboo, because as a nation, we're not, we haven't got a very good record of talking about it. Yeah, I know when uh, my nan passed away back in 2009, I was then in a, a bit of a panic because I knew six months early she said, at my funeral I want this. So I was head of music, so I had to sort that out. And you're going through, and it, it is, you've got the sense of loss, the, the pain inside, and you've also got the thought of, hang on, it was that Harry Seacombe track she wanted, wasn't it? And, you know, it is it, it is difficult. So even if you, you, know, you make notes, write something down, it may not be your last will and testament, but it is just kind of uh, a few notes to, to, to help those who are going to be putting all this in place for you? Absolutely. Giving people an indication of what your wishes are and, and even to that extent of you knowing you know, what music your nan wanted, that, that's brilliant because in its own way it gave you something to focus on at a time when you, you, know, you are going through that loss and it gave you something to contribute you know, to that funeral. So you know, there's, there's quite a wise lady there in terms of you know, passing on her, her thoughts and, uh, and feelings and wishes and, and that way it helps you know that you can contribute and you know that actually what what you're helping to organize and what you're contributing to is something that should be a proper celebration of a life in the way that that person would want it to be and it's it's doing that in a respectful way and making sure that you've got something that she's going to help you in the worst situation in the world when you lose somebody you love and care about so i mean this survey is out there where where can people go to 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 read through the, the what has happened how these emotions worked how it's been dealt with by you know, the different age groups with in particular younger people much more likely to to bottle up their emotions and how can we uh, find out more from this survey yeah, if people want to know more about the survey, um, if they go to our website, cooperativefuneralcare.co.uk forward slash survey, there's a, a lots of information there in terms of the summary of the survey, but there is also a link to click on a more detailed uh, version of the survey, which is called Making Peace with Death. So things that will help people through and understand the situation, but also talking points for, for now for with your family, with your loved ones, and uh, a time to, to, to prepare for something which, as Carol says, is inevitable, is going to be unpalatable, but equally is something we need to talk about for our own health and well-being. Absolutely. Carol McGiffin and David Collingwood, thank you both for joining us. Thank you very much. Thank you. Tumble from the sky If the sea Should suddenly run dry If you love me Really love me Let it happen I won't care If it seems that Everything is lost I should smile and never count the cost 
Well, then here with Kelly Jeffs at the Lighthouse. In a moment or two, we're going to have a bit of a chat about the Save the Lighthouse campaign because there's loyalty cards and everything. So we'll be talking about that in a bit. But first of all, I mean, there's, there's loads of other great stuff taking place down here, isn't there? Yeah. Um, one of the lovely things that's happening on the 26th of, Sept- of August is our Sing Alonger Greece. Okay, now another one that you've just booked because you want to do. Well, actually, I'm not going to be around, ah, sadly, because I can't be here all the time. <laughs> yeah, I thought you were. Um, but I want to put on as much, you know, product as possible for customers that just to, to have some enjoyment and some fun and just Put some escape. life in the life absolutely so that's uh, a single longer greece and then um next uh, next in september our single longer song uh, film will be the greatest showman we have shown it before yeah. but we feel that um there's been some more requests for it and we think because since the campaign's been kicking off people are more aware of us we think that might be a much busier one. I, say, I haven't seen that film, and I, say, I think maybe I need to get along for that, so we'll talk yeah. more closely to the time yeah. on that. Okay. But uh, that's, that sounds like it's going to be good fun. Mm-hmm. And uh, because you've got all the, the usual cafes and things as well that go on, yeah. and, and, and the, 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 basically the pick-your-own-music nights. Language cafes, we do them every week. Um, uh, there's French, Italian, Japanese, Spanish, German, um, Portuguese, and then uh, we have the IDJ night, which is where you bring your own music, whether it's on any format, it can be vinyl or MP3 or whatever device, and you can play your own music for 15 minutes. It's a great night. The other great music night we do is called the Open Mic Night, and that is really building up a momentum now. And we're getting some good quality uh, musicians coming in. It's a fantastic atmosphere out in the courtyard. And the um, this is a bit far down the line, but we will be for the October open mic night we're going to be screening saturday night fever um which is going to be earlier on in the evening then people can come out of the film and then go into the open mic night for free and it'll be a great night that sounds like fantastic coming out of one feel good thing into another and uh, there may well be a few covers you never know yes absolutely uh, that would be quite cool so all, all of that goes alongside the fact that you are still campaigning to make sure this fantastic facility stays here in the heart of wolverhampton and uh, being in the middle of the city can make it easier and harder sometimes for people so he's making sure that they they think well Right, before I go home from work in the middle of town, I'm going to nip across and maybe see a film, drink at the bar, take part in some of the other events, come and look at the brilliant art exhibitions that you have down here. And it's getting people through the doors and spending that little bit of money that keeps things going. And uh, I know, you know to, with, with the way funding works and the fact that you're now uh, a, a charity, you know, this is something which really does need the, uh, to be taken to heart by the city. Yeah, I think so. I think the, there's been a few light bulb moments. We've had to shake things up a bit to say, you know, come on everybody Wolverhampton is a great city Um, there is quite a negative uh, feel at the moment with certain announcements of developments being delayed and certain things closing and things like the Beaties effect you know people just feel you know quite sad and down and a bit downbeat if we lost this asset to the city it would be a travesty and I think over the last three years or so I mean we've been here almost 30 years but I think this last few years recent years there's been a real sense of 
belonging here mm-hmm. and community. And that doesn't mean we're exclusive. We aren't far from exclusive. In fact, we're the exact opposite. We are. We to- embrace so many different types of groups, so many different kinds of people. You know, and it's a safe, friendly, warm space. And the bottom line is, yeah, we show films. We're a cinema. That is our key core, obje- you know, core business. But the, the end of the day. You want something in your city that people are proud of and can feel part of. That has to continue. That cannot stop. If it stops, it will never come back. Yeah, I mean, you talk about I mean, the 30 years that the, the site's been in use for this sort of thing. I mean, it, it has in the past been a, a, a media learning hub. And, the, yeah, the cinema's really been born out of that. And, and it's through that, that. I mean, that pays most of the bills, hopefully, fingers crossed. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's through the, the revenue there that you can keep mm-hmm. this sort of site running. And it's making sure that people support that, turning revenues. And you need to do that at a sensible price, which is what you're doing mm-hmm. to allow people to come along mm-hmm. and use the facility. Mm-hmm. And possibly some people who maybe couldn't afford to use some mm-hmm. of the bigger cinemas and uh, uh, you're doing it. In a way which represents value. Uh, it has been part of uh, funding through various sources in the past, and uh, the, the, that changes the the, uh, the whole landscape of the way publicly funded things have has altered over the years, purely because of the way priorities need to be given to, to, to various areas. And, and the arts are something that we need to make sure we support, but we're having to do that much more through our own pockets these days to show what sort of arts we want. And I think you you, you say you're inclusive. You're trying to show and and offer people things which will mean something to them and certainly yeah, there's an openness to suggestion as well isn't there, if somebody wants to get involved they can gladly come down here I mean, you even have volunteers who work with you who can put their ideas across we do all the time and, and the, the problem we face is, is that we, you know, we get so many suggestions of ways to do things or of content or product or new group engagement but because we're such a small team it's being able to harness that is is virtually impossible Mm -hmm. so if we can try and get some extra funding in to help to um, alleviate that pressure so that I can go out and do what I'm fully meant to be doing which is relationship building and fundraising um, while back at back at the van, as they say, or back at the ranch, you know things are ticking over, and we're we're effectively linking with groups in a meaningful way. And I think arts, a lot of arts and culture, is seen. You know, the government has seen as a bit of a sticking plaster. I don't think it's a sticking plaster. I think it should be integral to people's lives. It should be part. It should be a given mm-hmm. that there's a cultural offering in the place where you live. And I understand fully that bins need emptying, that healthcare, that the older generation needs to be looked at. I understand all that. I am not oblivious to that whatsoever. But when you start engaging with groups who need that sort of support, like who need who come to us because they may be lonely, they might be coming to us because they've got lung problems and they're doing the singing group. They might be coming to us because we'll give them a friendly chat and a cup of coffee, because they've got nowhere else to go but we're also enabling them to see things and to, to ex- and to access films and culture and, and in, a, in an affordable way as well mm-hmm. that's meaningful mm-hmm. somebody who feels better about themselves is going to have less health care we know that that's, that's, that's a given and particularly uh, with such a, an emphasis and, and focus on mental health these days uh, but a focus which kind of sees it happening and acknowledges it happening but doesn't necessarily offer a solution to avoid it happening in the first place exactly and I think if, if you've got, you know, again, we, we, you know, we're, we're talking to the social prescript, prescription team at the moment. These are all buzzwords that, the, you know, that, that 
local government newsies or national government newsies to try and fill some of the gaps that's been cut through austerity mm -hmm. and it's not easy mm -hmm. it is not easy we're doing this regardless we're doing we're t tapping into those sorts of groups regardless because they naturally gravitate to us mm -hmm. because they can sense that it's a friendly safe environment so they naturally gravitate to us so you know we should be the, the, the argument that I'm making all the time is help us to be able to continue doing that by just giving us some sort of bit of investment. Mm -hmm. It's not millions and millions of pounds we're looking for. We're looking for, you know, few, a few companies across the city, maybe tap into their cor corporate social responsibility agenda, mm -hmm. seeing, you know, the, the giving, giving them a sense that they're supporting their, a city asset. Um, and everyone would be happy. And they're able to use that asset as part of it as well. Of I mean, you, you've got space here, which uh, allows for functions and events. Yeah. Uh, you can put together a package that will include even yeah, a weekly film screening yeah, for, screenings, for employees, that sort of thing. Screenings, um, conference space, meeting rooms, hospitality, branding. The branding could be on all our pub printed publicity, the website, the, the digital screens. Uh, slides can be shown for companies that, that can become patrons to us. Mm -hmm. It's a very, very, uh, a, it's a great virtual, virtuous cycle that I think would work very well. So it's just getting the message out there. And people can get in touch directly to do something about that. So yeah. what are the contact details for they, that? They can directly contact me and that's kelly at light-house.co.uk and I can talk to them a little bit more about how we could work together. And really, so you four companies offering a, you know, a sensible amount of money, um, but something, you know, it is significant, but it is something significant they're getting back, and it is a big job that you do in the city. And, and that itself then extends to something like your customer loyalty programme, where people can have a personal investment in it. Again, for a few pounds, not, not hundreds of pounds. Yeah, and yeah. You know, they, they can make a donation to the cause as well. Mm. But I mean, as a starting point, come along, pick up a loyalty card, and buy coffee yep buy a coffee glass of wine whatever and a lot of our audiences they come more than once a month anyway mm -hmm. so they then they, they naturally get their stamps every month but we want to incentivize it a bit more give people that sense of you know why you know keeping that tangible piece of paper or that card in their bag so they say yep we must we haven't done september yet or we haven't done october yet mm -hmm. what shall we watch what shall you know and it's just giving that sense of um belonging and that we're all in it together and then after, when, uh, when next July comes in 2019 and uh, we're still thriving and we're still you know, out, with, out there in the city, we will all celebrate together. Yep, so a bit of a party, a lighthouse party. I like that idea. So uh, once again, how do people find about all your events? So on the website, www.light-house.co.uk, we have a Facebook page, Lighthouse Cafe Bar, uh, Cinema and Cafe Bar, beg your pardon. We have a Twitter at Lighthouse Media. We have, so there's loads of ways of, to keep in touch and you can sign up to our mailing list so you can get the printed programme posted out to you every month um, and you can get that by um, on digitally as well. So you can get the lot that way, light-house.co.uk, that important bit. And anybody who does wish to sponsor, what's the details again? Uh, if they directly contact me, the Chief Executive Kelly, at light-house.co.uk. Kelly Jeffs, always good to chat with you. Let's keep meet the uh, media centre down here at the Lighthouse doing its thing for many, many years to come. You'll hit that 30th birthday and then uh, you'll still be around for the 60th as well, I'm sure. I hope so. <laughs> That'll be good. Kelly, great to see you soon. Thanks, Jason. That's a lot for this week. Thank you so much for joining us back with episode 479 next week. I'll see you then. Ta-ra for now. Goodbye from the mill bar. 
Goodbye from the milk bar. Goodbye from the milk bar. Goodbye from the milk bar. Yeah. Goodbye from the milk bar. Yeah.